Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. Being a Christian and a conservative in Hollywood these days, it's like a double death sentence. And our guest today has said it was like being a double leper. Those who've read the Bible know, you know, nobody wanted to be around a leper, and they had to cry, unclean. <laughs> it's like being a double one of those. But uh, hello, everyone. It's Dr. Ben Carson with another episode of Common Sense. And uh, my guest today is Kevin Sorbo. Kevin rose to fame in Hollywood in the Hercules series. Uh, Hercules, the legendary journey, I believe, was the full name of it. And it was the number one show in the world at its height. And uh, also, he was uh, Captain Dylan Hunt in Andromeda. And he's been a producer, a director, an author, a husband, a father, an advocate, most importantly, a Christian who lives out his faith. So we're delighted to have you here with us today, Kevin. It's good to be here. Good to see you guys again. Um, uh, I, I did say it was like a double leper. I, I, I believe I was the first victim of cancel culture before it became a term. About 12 years ago, my manager and agent uh, had an intervention with me and said they couldn't work with me anymore. And I had to laugh mm -hmm. at it because I said, you know, you're the ones who scream for tolerance all the time and freedom of speech. But... Dr. Ben, as you know, that's a one-way street with these guys. Um, they, op they operate in hate and anger, and it's really, it's sad. You know what's interesting, and I'm sure you feel the same way. I don't harbor that anger and hate that people have a different point of view. And uh, you see what the left has been doing out there. And we just live in Looneyville now. And um, I know President Reagan said a long time ago, he said, we're one generation from losing our freedom. Well, it's been five or six years now that's just exploded in terms of what we're doing to this country right now. And absolutely, we got to fight the fight. You know, the nice thing is that I, I think there are a few more people who are starting to speak out. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, you were one of the, the very few. But, you know, there are more people who are getting courage, you know, because we can't be the land of the free if we're not the home of the brave. And, uh, you know, it means maybe taking some slings and arrows for the sake of those who are coming after us. But, but I got to ask you, I mean, you grew up in Minnesota, I believe. I did. Yep. Uh, how the heck 
to go from Minnesota to Hollywood? <laughs> well, number one, I got I got a bit, um, you know, sympathy to my old home state because they've turned into California with their politics. But anyway, um, you know, I was 11 years old and I went to the Guthrie Theater. The Guthrie Theater is a very famous theater in Minneapolis. People that do any kind of stage performances know of the Guthrie. A lot of people start there before going to New York City to Broadway. Um, a lot of plays start there, like the Lion King started there before moving over there. And so it was our fifth grade class in my uh, elementary school that we did a field trip. And it was it was the Merchant of Venice. It was Shakespeare. I don't know what the heck they were saying because I was 11 and it was Shakespeare. But I was mesmerized by the actors on stage. And I told my mom on the way home, she's one of the chaperones. I said, I'm going to be an actor. And she patted my leg and said, that's nice, dear. But um, that's, <laughs> that's uh, you know, the seed was set. And from a guy who was a jock, a football, basketball, baseball guy, you know, I took a lot of ribbing from my buddies in high school. But uh, I always said the best looking girls are in the drama class anyway. <laughs> so... <laughs> But um, I love, you know, I fell in love with it. And um, in Minneapolis and St. Paul is home to a lot of national headquarters like Best Buy, Target, 3M, Pillsbury, Honeywell, uh, General Mills. So I did a lot of commercials during my college days. So I got that all important Screen Actors Guild union card. So I had no problem going to L.A. and getting a commercial agent because I was already in that world. But uh, I went out there not knowing a single person. I had an agent lined up, but I went out there and said, here I am. And I just kept plugging away. Well, how how old were you were you when you first went there? Um, actually, I, I had a weird segue. I got to tell you, and it's always about a girl, right? So, um, yeah. in college, I started dating this girl who was a big international model. She was just three years younger than me, but she had been modeling. She was nineteen when we met. I was twenty-two. She'd been modeling for five years already, and she said, "Hey, before you go to L.A., I mean, before you go to L.A., I'm going down to Dallas to work for a little while." Um, you want to come with me to Dallas? Well, I ended up staying in Dallas for a year and a half. Uh, joined a theater group down there, did some commercials, did some print work. And then I said, okay, I got to get to L.A. She says, no, just come and spend one summer in Europe with me. So we went to Milan, Italy, spent three months. Well, three months turned into three and a half years. So I lived in Paris. I lived in Munich for a year and a half. I lived in Zurich. I lived in London. And it really made me grow up. And I got to tell you, I, I, I've been a traveling man ever since. I loved it. It was a wonderful experience. Finally get to L.A., and I get to LA and I book my very first audition on a commercial that shot in Sydney, Australia. I go to Sydney and guess what? I stayed for eight more months. I just lived in Australia. <laughs> so I finally moved to LA when I was almost, I was 27 and a half when I finally moved to LA to go after you know the, the actor's dream. But uh, so I guess wow. I was old to get out there, but um, I had great- A little circuitous, but very interesting. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. The, I mean, it, like I said, it made me grow up too. So did it feel like quickly, um, did it feel like each one of those experiences that you had as you were traveling around the world kind of prepared you for the next one? Oh, no question. No question. I think I went with a much more mature attitude of where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And um, I got involved. I wasn't afraid to go up to the classes. People said, oh, that guy's a tough class to get into. And I said, well, that's the class I want to go and, and take acting classes from. So um, and I had and that that first acting coach, Bill Trailer, he said, whatever makes you uncomfortable, that's what you got to go. That's what you got to face. And that's what you got to go after. So um, I learned a lot from him. And I studied with Roy London was my last coach. And in that class, I had Brad Pitt. Matthew Perry, Charlotte Ross, a lot of people that went on to have obviously great success. So, you know, no pain, no gain. I, you know, I use that not only in sports, but I also use it in terms of uh, acting. Well, in the, in the beginning versus now, yeah. what was it like to be a conservative in Hollywood? 
You know, I've always been a conservative. The first president I could vote for, uh, 1980, when I was old enough, I voted for Reagan. My parents were beside themselves because they were Hubert Humphrey, Walter Mondale Democrats, which in today's world, they're more like Republicans because the left has gone so far left. I tell people all the time, JFK would be a, a conservative today. That's exactly right. You look at his 1960 inauguration speech and you're going to go, that's not, there's not one Democrat who talks that way today. So I know it was just, I was always there doing it. I would always question people on the set. But back then, you know, and from 86, 87, 88, there wasn't that sort of, you know, people disagreed, but I didn't see that. But I saw it more and more as the years went on, certainly. And I would always question people, not in front of the rest of the crew. I would say quietly, I said, you said this very loudly to everybody to kind of, you know, whatever virtue signal, whatever it may be. Why, why do you feel that way? So I used to say it all the time. And I got to tell you now, every movie I do, I always get at least one actor or one crew person come up to me and say, hey, thanks for being a voice for us. And I go, you know what? You need to be voice for yourself. What are you afraid of? You know, yeah. this cancel culture is for real and they will come after you, but we need to speak up. And I, the sheep are the sheep. And as you know, we got to be lions. We got to wake up the lions and say, don't be afraid to get out there and uh, show your true colors. Well, it's so encouraging to other people because uh, earlier this year, I was the speaker at the U.S. Air Force Academy. Mm. And afterwards, a bunch of the cadets came up to me and they said, oh, thank you, thank you. We are so delighted to hear a non-woke speaker yeah. because that, that they're trying to indoctrinate them. Oh, and no. I think that's one of the reasons that our military is having such a tough time recruiting people. This is the worst recruiting year they've ever had. Yeah. And it's getting worse. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. They're going to start uh, the draft pretty soon, and uh, then they're going to be drafting women. The whole thing is just going to get kind of crazy because of this wokeness. That is, unless we actually do wake up and recognize what's going on as a nation, we're going to have to take a short break. We'll be right back in a minute with our wonderful guest, Kevin Sobel. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Okay, and we're back again with our guest, Kevin Sorbo. I don't know what you've been finding as you travel around the country, but I've found that a lot of people are coming out of their stupor. Yeah. And uh, they were in the saucepan like a frog with the heat slowly being turned up. Now somebody turned it up full steam <laughs> and they're jumping out of the saucepan. <laughs> well, it's a good thing. It's about time people want. We need this. We got an election coming up here very shortly. And I'm telling you, we, we got to get to an election process that is honest. I mean, the left says, oh, you're all complaining about voter fraud. Well, they vote voter fraud all the time when they lose themselves. You saw sure. Hillary do it. Uh, what's her name? Stacy, whatever, out of, out of Georgia. They all do it. And what Absolutely. we need is one day to vote. One day to vote. You got to show up to vote. And you got to show an ID. There's nothing racist about showing an ID to vote. <laughs> this is crazy. Well, you know, uh, France went through all this a few decades ago. And they outlawed mail-in voting in 1975, except in very specific cases, because they said it was uncontrollable. Yeah. It was just too much cheating. Yeah. And 
they require IDs also. Yeah. So I guess they're racist too. Yeah, apparently. And why does the why does the left not want to get rid of voting voting uh, mail in voting? We know why. So the hypocrisy is just is so blatant and obvious in today's world. Um, that I, I think you're right. I think we've reached a tipping point where people are saying enough is enough. We got to get back to having a country that's wonderful and great because we're destroying this country. We're, we have so many young kids under the age of 30 that think socialism and communism is a good thing. Tell me where it's worked. It's never, ever worked. That's right. Well, they think socialism is being familiar with social media. I mean, they don't really know what no. it is. No. And now, uh, do you, speaking of social media, uh, has that really had a big impact on Hollywood, do you think? Um, sure. That, I mean, for me, Facebook took me down for speaking the truth. They hate the truth, as you know. Zuckerberg and his wussy minions that just troll anybody and everybody that has a different point of view. They just attack. I'm still on Twitter. I hope people follow me on Twitter at KSORBS. I do very funny things, uh, sarcastic truths, so to speak. Um, one, of, one of my said is back, back during the height of COVID, I said, you want to get rid of COVID, tell the Clintons that COVID's got something on them. So, uh, you know, I feel that would all of a sudden just disappear. But. <laughs> well, you know, it is, it's, it's kind of funny because Hollywood used to be about entertainment. Sure. And now it seems to be more about social ideology and pushing their agendas. Yeah. And, you know, you speak out, but why do you think so many people, because I'm sure some of them have you know, some morals and values, but you hope they don't speak out. I think they're afraid because they, they know they get blacklisted. I got blacklisted. They're, I mean, the biggest movie I've done in the last 10 years that you, I guess you consider um, Hollywood movie would be Soul Surfer, number one, which is a big hit. Uh, but I'm, I did the Reagan movie. Why I got called for Reagan, maybe I was surprised, but uh, I played the pastor to President Reagan, and uh, Dennis Quaid is going to play the president. That movie comes out in January next year. Uh, but oh, I can't, I can't wait. pardon, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good one. They got a big cast in that one, big cast in that one. But, um, you know, the movies I've been doing are family friendly. They're faith based. There are a lot of movies that Hollywood won't touch because um, they're positive movies that have love and laughter and hope and redemption and faith. Things that Hollywood doesn't want to do for some reason. They want to keep they absolutely their, don't their negative do. world, which is weird. And we really thank you for that because you're being a voice that way too. When you, when you do those faith based movies, and we we really enjoy watching them. I mean, we've watched them more than once. Well, at least I have. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know it's interesting because Reagan played a, a big role in my conversion. You know, I was a, a dyed in the wool Democrat. I grew up in Detroit and Boston, Democrat strongholds. Then went to New Haven for college, the Democrat stronghold. Yeah. And then Ann Arbor for medical school, Democrat stronghold. And then Baltimore internship residency wow. and career, Democrat stronghold. And th I did something, though, in Baltimore that uh, liberals are not supposed to do. I listened to a conservative. <laughs> I listened to Ronald Reagan. And I said, this guy sounds just like my mother. <laughs> the same values and the same principles. And I said, he doesn't sound like a horrible racist like they say he is. And, uh, you know, I, I started really thinking and evaluating for myself rather than just following there you go. what everybody else was doing. And, boy, it made a big difference. You mentioned Detroit. There's a city. Back in the 50s, 3 million people living there, the strongest economy in America, and they haven't had a, a, a conservative mayor in there since, what, 1954? And look where that city is now. 
I mean, horrible. Yeah. They're rebuilding. They're getting the things back a little bit. But my God, they went down to what? 700,000 people from 3 million? I mean, it's, it's, it shows you how really evil the social and, and communist policies are of the left because it destroys people's lives. It destroys self-drive, self-esteem. Uh, this whole idea that I love that I love that Kanye West is speaking up more, Charles Barkley speaking up more and saying, saying, you guys, you think that we have to be as a black community to constantly vote for the Democrats. What have they done for us in the last 50 years in terms of education, in terms of the economy, in terms of health? They've done nothing. They've done nothing. It's all about keeping down. You think Jesse Jackson and, and, and Al Sharpton want the success in the black community? Of course they don't. They, they, want to, they want to keep make money off the misery of, of the backs of, of the black population. It's just incredibly sad. And people need to wake up because education is one of the main reasons why people aren't waking up. Well, you know, it's been con controlled the black community since the days of slavery. Mm. The, the, the slave masters, particularly in states like Alabama and Mississippi, where there were more slaves than there were slave owners, were concerned. Uh, so they had to keep the slaves divided. And they would tell the ones that worked in the house that they were better than the ones in the in the yard. Tell the ones in the yard they were better than the ones in the field. Keep that tension going. Keep that division going. And then after slavery was over, tell the light-skinned ones, you're better than the moderate-skinned ones. And the moderate-skinned ones, you're better than the dark-skinned ones. Keep that going. Today, you know, trying to separate people on the basis of political ideology. And it just goes on and on, the control factors. and. I think more people are actually starting to wake up, though. There used to be a time when I would go to conservative gatherings and be the only black face. And now there's a lot of black faces. Well, people are waking up. Well, you know, the government, you know, the government's favorite weapon is fear, fear and control. And you saw it in, in, at, its, at its peak during COVID, where wear one mask, two masks, wear a shield, stay six feet apart. You're a doctor. I talk to plenty of doctors because a lot of my speaking events. And I sit there and go, what is the six feet thing? And quietly they'll look around because they don't want to get busted. Get, you got to be like 20 feet apart or more. You're going you're gonna to get a cold. You're going to get the flu. These things are around. There's a great video from Lord Fauci, I call him, where he said back, <laughs> back in 2017 in an interview, um, no, it's 2014, where the interview was 60 minutes. He said, my wife just had the flu. She was knocked out for 14 days. Should she get the flu shot, Dr. Fauci? He said, no, she had the flu. That's the best way to build up your immune system. And of course, <laughs> they say the opposite now because it's all about money to them and about control to them to keep it right. afraid and people need to stop being afraid and the bible talks about you know don't let you know the only thing that really fear is lord that's the only thing you got to fear is the lord that's right well they never heard of natural immunity uh, obviously uh even though we've known about it for hundreds of, of years <laughs> but of course they couldn't acknowledge it because then you couldn't insist that everybody get the jab oh yeah oh get the two get two jabs three jabs get four jabs exactly <laughs> But uh, we're going to have to take a short break. We'll be right back with our wonderful guest, Kevin Sorbo. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
And we're back once again with Kevin Sorbo. You know, we were talking about being a Christian in Hollywood. And uh, Kevin, you have been canceled. Uh, what advice do you have to, to young Christians who perhaps want to pursue a career in Hollywood or in entertainment? Um, you know, stick to your guns. I mean, there's plenty of work out there for all walks of life in that in that world. I do. I think Hollywood's going down the wrong path. Yes, I do. I think I think it's sad what we're seeing out there and the agendas that they're pushing and they're spreading constantly. I look at critical race theory. I look at the whole uh, the whole uh, gender. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just weird to me that, that people are buying into this. That, oh yeah, a man can get pregnant. Yeah, sure he can. I mean, come on, guys. It's just so weird that that thing's going on. But you, as if you want to get involved in acting, get involved in acting because you love it. You love the process of it. You love the craft of it. Don't get involved thinking you're going to be the next, uh, you know, Brad Pitt. It just doesn't always work out that way for everybody. You know, I've been very fortunate the career I've had to have two ste- two series, both seven years and five years each, because most shows don't make it past the first season. So, um, and since then, over seventy movies. Not all of them are good, but most of them are pretty good. But I, I say don't be afraid to put yourself out there and don't be afraid to uh, to uh, follow that dream. As corny as that sounds, I, I tell people all the time, I'm a 13-year overnight success. So you got to just keep <laughs> plugging away and just and just and sticking to your guns because there's plenty of work out there. And trust me, the, the family world, the faith world of movies is getting bigger and bigger. It's all the independent world, certainly, but they're, they're getting bigger and bigger all the time. And there's some yeah. really wonderful people that work out there. Well, you wrote a book. True Strength, My Journey from Hercules to Mere Mortal, and uh, How Nearly Dying Saved My Life. Tell us about that book. Well, Cam, I didn't want to write the book. My wife made me write it. But anyway, <laughs> um, I uh, back then in the season five on Hercules, I was having all kinds of problems with my left arm. I couldn't figure what was going on. Uh, my arm was hurt, hurting all the time. These fingers on my left hand were sore. They were numb. They were cold. I couldn't figure what was going on. But I was doing most of my own stunts because my ego said that I could, and I loved doing it. And um, I came back. I shot the series in New Zealand. I came back after season five to do some publicity on my first big-budget movie for Universal Studios called Call the Conqueror. Uh, Call was the father of Conan for the Conan fans that Arnold Schwarzenegger did. And um, I saw a doctor when I was in Boston. Um, I, I was on Letterman and I went up to Boston to do some things. And he said, you should get this checked out. I think it's cardiovascular. So I went back home, saw my doctor in LA and he found a lump way up here in my left subclavicle. And he said, you know, I want to do a biopsy on that. And that kind of freaked me out. I said, doc, I'm, I'm, I'm Hercules for crying out loud. There can't be something wrong with me. Uh, then I went to see my chiropractor the next day uh, in the morning. The, the biopsy was going to be in the afternoon at Cedar sinai there. And so... Um, a voice in my head said, don't let him crack your neck. And the weird thing about that, in eight years of going to this chiropractor, he's never cracked my neck because I don't like my neck cracked. Never, it always bugged me. So whenever I see anybody that's a chiropractor, I say, never, ever crack my neck. Well, he's never cracked in eight years. The voice says, don't let him crack your neck over and over again. He cracked my neck. And that crack opened up what, what that lump was, which was an aneurysm. Mm. And it had been sending blood clots down on my arm, suffocating the a blood flow through into my hand. But that crack opened it up in what one neurologist called retrograde flow. It just for a second threw a series of four clots into my brain. I suffered four strokes. And um, obviously could have been killed right away, uh, paralyzed the rest of my life. Uh, One went to my speech. That came back rather quickly, thank God. Uh, Two went to my my, uh, balance and one went into my visions. 
So I went from, I'd lost about 50% of my eye, sight in both eyes. It's uh, gotten better now. I'm at about 10% now in both eyes when I do the field of vision test. Mm -hmm. um, it took me four months to learn how to walk and balance again. It took me three years to fully recover from it. So it was a long road for me and it was, it was a frustrating one. But I, wow. you know, I've been a man of faith my whole life and I never really needed faith until this roadblock hit me. And uh, between my wife um, getting in my face because she's a tough Pittsburgh New Yorker, because every time I got down, she said, Kevin, it happened. What are you going to do about it? And I've always been a pretty strong-willed guy. So I probably did 10 times more of what the doctors and therapy told me to do in terms of getting my balance back, getting back, you know, whatever I had to do to fight to get back to what a normal state. Um, Sam bugged me to write the book. It took me years to want to write it because the male ego, again, doesn't want to show how weak I'd become playing a Hercules. Uh, but it's been a godsend. Uh, and it came out uh, 10 year, 11 years ago now. And it opened up this world of me speaking. I never thought I'd do speaking events. In fact, I would say I do about 15 speaking events here. And I would say half of those speaking events um, are following you because they'll send me a list of people that have been there. <laughs> and I go, oh, Dr. Ben spoke here two years ago. You know? So I keep doing it because you're good for me to keep on following your path. And um and uh, it, it's been amazing. And people read the book and I've had people come up to me and say, look, I'm a cancer survivor, heart attack survivor, stroke survivor, whatever it may be. Your book has motivated me to stop feeling sorry for myself. Because a lot of people, when we hit these major roadblocks in life, because everybody you know has a story, um, they blame God, they blame a God they don't believe in, they believe in family, they blame family, friends, the world, the government. And I say, you gotta do Michael Jackson and look, be the man in the mirror. You gotta look in the mirror and say, okay, what do I need to do to get stronger and better again? So. Um, and through my book, they, people found out I'm a Christian and a pro-life guy. So that opened the door to speak of those things. So it's been amazing. It's been an amazing trip. And wow. I've been very blessed well, to have this road. Kudos to Sam for making you do that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we did a follow-up book together. It just came out two years ago called True Faith. And mm -hmm. um, embracing God in, in a world, of, uh, world of, of turmoil in a way, you know. So we did a follow-up book together. Now, uh, tell me, because I get asked this question a lot. Sure. Uh, why is the the LGBTQRS uh, agenda so important to Hollywood? I I have no idea. You know, I worked the gay I've worked with gay people my entire life. You're not going to find anybody in that world that's going to say he was horrible to us. He was homophobic. But you know, the left loves their labels. So once they find out you're a Christian and conservative, you're a Nazi. You're the, I'm going, was Hitler, was Hitler a Christian? But anyway, all this stuff that they go after you on is amazing to me. I'm a live and let live guy. If that's the way you want to live your life, fine. That doesn't affect my lifestyle. I just get tired of the, the forcing down our throats every single movie, every single, it's like, guys, if you want to do a real representation of in the movies, well, they represent 3% of the population. Transgenders represent, uh, what, 0.25% or something? Right. Let's do it in every movie and every TV show. It's like, I, th I think a lot of people are getting sick of it. And I, I know that's true because people tell me, you know, they, they say that enough, enough of this stuff. So I don't know why I, I do this instead of teaching LGBTQS, whatever I say, why don't we teach them the ABCs? Why don't we teach <laughs> there you go. the right way of, of getting a proper education? Because once again, you know, the public education system is broken. It's horrible. It needs to get away from government. Um, another great Ronald Reagan quote was the greatest words to fear. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. So there's right. <laughs> so much truth to that. Well, you know, it must be uh, really difficult for parents today uh, yeah. to keep their children away from some of the horrible influences. 
Do you have any words of wisdom uh, for parents who are concerned about that? I'm going to bring in my wife's world, which is homeschooling. We've been homeschooling our, our all three of our kids. Uh, they're now 21, 18, and 17. They're amazing kids, wonderful kids. Uh, one of the blessings of COVID is more parents woke up to the fact the public education system is, is horrible. Uh, we saw through what the school boards are doing and what they're making the kids go through. And uh, in my state here in Florida, um, from what I read about a month ago, I think 12 of the 15 major school systems in Florida have been all been booted out. And we have Christian conservatives running the school boards now, which is amazing. I mean, DeSantis, as you know, is a rock star. He's doing a fantastic job in the state. So I say you got to get into homeschooling. We got to get kids away from public schools. Stop using public schools as a you know babysitting service for your kids. Um, yeah. And uh, get my wife's book. There's she's got a book out called "They're Your Kids." And wake up to the fact because of COVID, two million more kids now are being homeschooled. So there is a blessing out of COVID from my book. It's actually uh, from 2020 till now. It's double. That's fantastic. People in homeschooling. That's fantastic. And I think it's continuing to grow. Yeah. And it's, it's something that we're working on, too. At American Cornerstone, we have a program called Little Patriots, which is right. an online free learning program to teach children the principles that made this into a great nation. And we call it the inoculation to indoctrination. There you go. <laughs> love that. Love that. I got to tell you, I, I've had the number one after school program for 25 years in the state of California at L.A. Unified School District. And uh, you mentioned Baltimore earlier. Baltimore is the highest dropout rate of any school system in the world, in America. Oh, no. California is not far behind. 54 percent drop out of the LA Unified School District on average over 25 years. The three hours we have kids after school, I work with over 12,000 inner city kids. We have a 98% graduation rate. That's what we've averaged and a 67% higher GPA. What are we doing for those three hours of kids after school that the school's not doing? Yeah. Now, it's so important because education empowers people. Sure. And when you don't get a good education, you're uninformed. You're very easy to manipulate. Yeah. And sometimes I even wonder, is it part of the agenda of people who want to fundamentally change our nation? Yep. Dumb down the population? Uh, what did Lenin say? to control? Lenin said it back in the, the 1917. He said the best way to control the population is through education. And he also called the uh, people under his thumb useful idiots. Yeah. And he said, give me your children to teach for four years and the seed that I sow will never be uprooted. Yeah. Yeah, he knows. But we know too, and we're gonna we're gonna counter what they're doing. <laughs> well, we'll be right back in a minute with our wonderful guest, Kevin Sorbo. Okay, and we're back again with our, our guest, Kevin Sorbo, talking common sense. Uh, you don't hear a lot of that coming out of Hollywood these days. <laughs> but Kevin, what are some of the projects you're working on these days? And how can people find out more about your films, books, and things that you're doing? The best place to go, my wife and I have merged both of our sites together. So go to SorboStudios.com. That's SorboStudios.com. Sign up. We'll keep you up to date. I've got three movies that are completely done in the can. I've shot four other movies already this year, but these, these the other three movies I shot a year ago, they're all coming out in January and February. One is called Miracle in East Texas, 
True Story set in 1930. I directed it. I starred it along with uh, Lou Gossett Jr. and uh, John Ratzenberger and Tyler Maine. And then I've got another movie coming out based off the Left Behind books. For those who know the Left Behind books from Jerry Jenkins and Mr. LaHaye. This one's called Rise of the Antichrist. I directed that one as well. And that one's coming out the end of January. And then I just finished the Reagan movie, as I mentioned earlier, with Dennis Quaid as a president and I play as pastor in it. And um, I'm also hosting a trip. My wife and I are going back for the second time to Israel. We took 60 people back in 2019. We're doing it again. So go to SorboIsraelTrip.com. That's SorboIsraelTrip.com. We're going in May of 2023. We're walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Please join us. It's unbelievable. I think we've got 38 people signed up already. So we're going to cap it at 60. But please check it out. I was just there in May of this year. And I did a, a documentary I'm the, I'm the modern day uh, Indiana Jones. We did through archaeological digs. We followed the Ark of the Covenant and also the uh, search for the tabernacle. So it's been pretty amazing. Well, and your life gives a lot of courage to people, just knowing that you were willing to stand up and you haven't been able to be completely canceled, even though they've tried multiple times, because there is a source of power that is greater than anything that the left wing has. And that is the power of God. Yep. And we want to thank you for being willing to stand up for that. And, you know, we as a nation need to recognize that the reason that we went from a ragtag bunch of militiamen to the pinnacle of the world is because we were different. We said that our rights come from our creator, come from God, not from the government. And all of our money says, in God we trust. Now, you know, there's a move to take it off of our money. But, you know, we have to fight to maintain those values and principles that made us into a great nation. You don't have to be very observant to see that as we move away from our values, we're going downhill. And uh, just stop and think about it for a minute. And the American people need to recognize that we, the people, are not each other's enemies. It's the people who are trying to pit us against each other that are the enemies. We also need to recognize that the freedom in this country is not going to be guaranteed by the government. It's going to be guaranteed by we the people, which means we have to be responsible. We have to be courageous. We have to learn how to vote. You don't just vote for the name that looks familiar. You vote your values. That's the way that we maintain a nation that is one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. So, Kevin, thank you so much for what you're doing. We'll be praying for your continued success and give Sam our regards. I will definitely do that. It is we the people. They need to go back to teaching civics in school because people need to understand the power is from the people, not a government. Amen. Bless you guys. God bless. Thanks. Well, that was a great conversation with uh, Kevin Sorbo. He's overcoming cancel culture, and I hope that you will too. Don't worry yourself about what other people are doing. And as Paul said in the book of Romans, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And now for our common sense prescription for this week. You know, have you ever thought about the fact that there are some things that you just feels very, very strongly about and that you're not willing to compromise. Things that you'd be willing to lose your job over, your house over, maybe even your life over. 
What are those things? For your prescription, write those things down and think about them and think about why they are so important to you. And if you feel inclined to do so, send them to me. Let me know what those things are. You can do that at ben at americancornerstone.org. And we may discuss them on one of our subsequent shows. But uh, when you write, make sure you keep it short and put podcast in the subject line. Also, subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And hopefully you'll never miss an episode. Make sure you rate us, tell others about us, how much you enjoyed the show, and keep coming back. And until next week, treasure the cornerstones. Faith, liberty, community, and life. See you next week.